before we get to Bhagavad Gita. I've been prompted by an email I received from Archie to go into an area that I will continue to go in until there is no possibility of misconception on any of our parts. I have to regretfully inform you that after 33 years since my spiritual master's physical presence has not been here, misconceptions have abounded uh, regarding the position of guru. Who is a guru? And uh, how do I find a bona fide guru? And since uh, the Mahabhagavat, uh, A.C. Bhaktivedanta, has left, can I even find a guru that's, that's qualified to lead me in spiritual life? Or can I become A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami's disciple? Misconceptions abound in this regard, and we want to, as devotees, set aside these misconceptions. Krishna places a lot of emphasis on the position of guru in Bhagavad Gita. Tadvidi pranipate na pariprashnein sevaya upadakshanti te jnana jnaninas darsina. In fact, he says if we really want to learn the truth, we need one. If you want to learn the truth, tadvidi pranipate na pariprashnein sevaya. Approach a spiritual master with some humility, inquiring submissively, rendering service. He can impart knowledge unto you. There's something there to be had in the association of the bona fide spiritual master over and above the book learning that is available uh, from the prior acharyas, prior gurus and, and great saints and sages who have left us a, a tremendous amount of literature for our spiritual upliftment. But there's also the necessity of, of guru. This has all been prompted by an email from Archie. And I'm going to read you the email. Is it true that one can only go back to God if one has sad guru? Parentheses. One who has descended from the spiritual world. Madri and I don't believe this, but it is being propagated and needs some evidence against it. They are actually saying that they have to be an incarnation of a gopi. This is the Ishkhan camp. This propaganda is coming from the Ishkhan camp. Factions of? Yes, factions of, I'm certain. <laughs> not the whole Ishkhan camp, but okay. she's in Vrindavan at Kartik. Uh -huh. It's not that she's hearing this from another. There's so she's many. She's hearing it from Ishkhan Ishkhan devotees. I'm going to address that email. I don't know if you understand what exactly is being said there. Here again, we're having another propaganda put forth for some reason. The reason generally centers around, all these misconceptions generally center around the Jesus complex of the Western world. What do I mean by that? The religious background of most Westerners is in Christianity. And in Christianity, there's only one guru, Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody is following Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, we can see that 
following of Lord Jesus Christ has branched out considerably in the past 2,000 years. But if you go to any one of the, any Christian who is your Lord and Master, who is your, who is your, who is your Savior, we have a certain mindset. And we've applied some of the philosophy into our practice of Krishna consciousness. And we've seen a Jesus-like personality come into the Western world and give immense spiritual knowledge and show immense spiritual prowess in attracting people to the practice of Krishna consciousness. And that personality, of course, is A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami. Two days ago was uh, Srila Prabhupada's disappearance celebration. Although we didn't observe anything here, I did go up to Sandy Ridge. And I'd written something before into a form, and I modified that and offered it to Prabhupada uh, on his disappearance day. And it shed some light on this subject, and I'm going to read it for you. Dutifully maintaining Srila Prabhupada's legacy. Glorious devotees. Quote, on behalf of Srila Prabhupada, end quote. Although conveying one's total transparency in representing the Guru Parampara could also be seen in another light which is not as praiseworthy. The less than praiseworthiness arises from what Srila Prabhupada clearly saw as a shortcoming of the Western mindset as evidenced by his translations of the offenses to the Holy Name. He emphasized the seventh as the most offensive, whereas the texts clearly emphasize the first. We should be ever mindful of our Western tendency to place the burden of our spiritual responsibility on our beloved preceptor. This is oh such a subtle point. I feel I walk on a razor's edge and pray for your mercy lest I slip and be labeled a heretic. We worship Guru on the same level as the Supreme Lord. Actually, his and the worship of all Vaishnavas is even more spiritually potent than our worship of Krishna. We continually remind ourselves that he is the architect of our spiritual advancement in every way and in every aspect of our devotional service. He reigns supreme. But his exalted spiritual position should not be used as a crutch. Although his guidance allows the lame to cross mountains, we must do so on our own two legs. A dear God brother of mine recently said in conversation there will never be another Prabhupada. I understood his mood. For the disciple, there will never be another Prabhupada like his Prabhupada. But we must be oh so careful that in our praising of our founder Acharya Prabhupada, we don't become in any way envious of the contemporary godbrother Prabhupada's coming in his wake. Our Srila Prabhupada wanted everyone to step up and become Bhaktivedanta. Vaikuntha attitude dictates that future generations experience the ecstatic tears of airport arrivals and departures. The loving glance that assures the fearful heart 
that one's future prospect is fully safe and secure. The stern look and reminder, you must abandon your cheating tendency. Putting oneself forward as spiritual master in the acceptance of disciples requires an absolute self-sacrificing attitude. B.R. Dave Goswami was reluctant to accept any disciples, but he relates that the pastime of Krishna's headaches softened him to the necessity of risking eternal damnation in loving service, die to live. If in Ishkan's outward display of glorifying Srila Prabhupada, there is a Jesusification of his divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, if on behalf of Srila Prabhupada conveys even a scent of veiled rictivism, if the position of guru is in any way minimized by institutional dictate for the future generations of disciples, I fear we will be doing the greatest disservice to the spreading of this great Krishna consciousness movement. It is our duty as responsible devotees to continually preach and educate on the true position of guru. When a contemporary makes the statement on behalf of Srila Prabhupada, I feel we are duty-bound to make sure this statement does not rest on any misconception as to our personal responsibility in the matter. Free of such misconception regarding Guru Tattva, let us push forward this Krishna consciousness movement by taking full advantage of Srila Prabhupada's Vani and ourselves fully surrendering to the self-sacrificing dedication required to introduce and guide all of human society as guru. In his concluding comments of the introduction to Bhagavad Gita as it is, Srila Prabhupada expressed that if just one pure devotee came as the result, the endeavor would be considered a success. Let us redouble our efforts, both individually and collectively, to rise to the platform of becoming that one pure devotee Srila Prabhupada desired, and thereby magnify his success unlimitedly. Such purity will then allow us to fully embrace the legacy of our Guru Parampara and our ever-well-wisher. Yare Deka Tare Kaha Krishna Upadesh Amara Agnana Guru Hara Hana Tare E Desha. Instruct everyone to follow the orders of Lord Sri Krishna as they are given in the Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam. In this way, become a spiritual master and try to liberate everyone in this land. I say unequivocally that this is the highest worship we can bestow upon our spiritual master. Who is our guru demands of us that we, in our own way, learn the science of Krishna consciousness in three different aspects. Sambandha, Abhideya, Prayojana. Sambandha means the relationship of the Lord and all of his energies, of which we are one and are meant to have a loving relationship with him which is the whole purpose of any spiritual tradition founded in 
the proper conception of who is God and who is man. Abidea, what can we do in this life to rise to that loving relationship with the Supreme? And Priyogena, once we have that love, what is it? What does that entail? What's, what's the benefit? What do we feel? Who was once guru was once disciple. Who is once student does become master. And that is the principle of disciplic succession. But there is some qualification involved. We've talked a lot about qualification here. There's some qualification even required to read Bhagavad Gita. And there's even a little bit more qualification to understand it. And a little bit more qualification to implement it in our life. And the highest qualification to completely adopt the mood of Arjuna after hearing the instructions of the Bhagavad Gita. And even accepting and fully adopting the mood of Arjuna, there is an additional qualification at the end of Bhagavad Gita, which is full self-surrender. There are six different aspects of that surrender. And even after you've absolutely done that surrender, there's more qualifications. In fact, in the practice of loving the Supreme Lord, there will be ever-ending qualifications. In the spiritual world, where Krishna and Radha dominate, in that realm, we look at everyone as guru. And we're constantly learning from that environment and everyone in it how to better love and serve Krishna. That is the nature of the spiritual world. The qualification that we take is ever increasing because the love is ever increasing and what's required to give perfect love is ever expanding. The misconceptions that we see now in relationship to guru deal primarily with this understanding of qualification and the misunderstanding of qualification when it comes to guru. So Archie's email was about what? About the fact that the qualification has now been adjusted by a current conception that is cert that certain devotees are putting forward. If you didn't understand what was being said, basically what was being said is unless your guru leaves the spiritual world and comes down to this plane and accepts you, you can never aspire to go to the spiritual world, go to the highest level of loving exchange with God. That would mean all the gurus who are qualifying themselves on this plane and who have purified themselves through the practice of devotional service would not be qualified. And you should push them aside and look for someone that's descended from above. Well, there's a problem with that. Only the people from that plane 
know who those people are. We don't have the qualification to determine who is descended and who is ascending. Because they are equal. That is what the Bhagavat teaches us. That is what the Guru Parampara teaches us. They do not teach us this conception that's being put forth. And this is just one of many. There have been many misconceptions put forth in regards to Guru. And in this environment, where I am trying to give whatever I have of the knowledge of Krishna consciousness to you, I will continually try to bring these to your attention. Because you are going to be practicing your devotional service in a community of devotees. And even if it, the only devotees you see are the ones in this room, which I know it won't be, you're always going to go to festivals, you're going to go to retreats, you're going to branch out and go. And if not there, <laughs> you're going to go there. You are going to go out and you are going to interact with other devotees. And please be ever mindful to take great care in who you associate with both here and there that their conception is according to Bhagavad Gita as it is, the Guru Parampara as coming down from Lord Brahma as being put forth by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the Goswamis coming, Bhakti Siddhanta, Bhakti Vinod, Bhakti Siddhanta, Bhakti Vedanta, and whoever, whatever guru you select to take you as a disciple. Make sure that everything is proper. Whenever these misconceptions come up, we'll discuss them. I'll do my best to give you whatever understanding I have. I have no aspiration. I am not looking to have any position. Hopefully you will see me as giving you some help. But, disciples, that's not going to happen here. I want to read you one thing from a devotee, which most of you know. Madango Paul. He is a disciple of Tripurari and a god-nephew of mine. I was very impressed by what he wrote. Tripurari, on his website, made a nice offering to Prabhupada. It is a harmonist U.S. Uh, anybody can dialogue back and forth. So wherever there's an article up there, people discuss it. So there was some discussion in Tripurari's article, and one, one of the things posted was in relationship and expressing the position that Everyone who reads Prabhupada's books is taking shiksha from Prabhupada. Shiksha means instruction, and therefore they are, in essence, his disciple. I'm not going to burden you, but we will discuss as time goes on the position of guru in both active and passive capacities. But when this was put forth, this is what... Madanga Paul wrote, and I thought it was eloquent. I really don't want to turn the comments in this nice offering towards Ritvik-esque 
debate. That in no way honors Prabhupada's disappearance. I personally think Prabhupada's direct disciples, those who he agreed to accept as his initiated students, should become a little bit more possessive of their exclusive relationship with him. It is not a relationship open to all of us. I cannot buy into the Prabhupada-shiksha equals Prabhupada-sishya argument anymore. Even siksha, discipleship, requires acceptance by the guru. I'm not a shiksha disciple of Prabhupada any more than I am of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Goswami, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Sad Goswamis, or anyone else whose books I read. They are the Purva Acharyas, and they live in my life through their representative who has mercifully accepted me and is trying to shed light on their divine siksha in the dull shadowed caverns of my heart. Because of this mercy, my guru is the preeminent guru in my life. I am confident that I please these Purva Acharyas most by serving my link to them. Does everybody understand what's being said there? That a guru has to accept a shiksha disciple, like being around on the planet to do so? There is the use of the word terminology shiksha. It's very prominent, especially in Ishkan, in a in the passive way of Purva Acharya. Factually speaking, I'm not going to argue whether it can be used in that way or not, because so many people are using in that way. But my understanding is shiksha means just the same as diksha. In other words, it's active participation. So that's the active principle of, of guru, which the whole Ritvik conception of accepting Bhaktivedanta Swami as my guru, I mean, he is my guru, but I mean, as so- someone accepting Bhaktivedanta Swami as their guru, when he has not accepted them. Yes. So that conception is also veiled. It's also veiled even within the institution which continually puts forth the statement that we are all Siksha disciples of Prabhupada. I myself personally disagree with it. Because my understanding of Siksha is Siksha means direct, active exchange. The proper terminology for Pracharyas, whether they be the Goswamis or Bhakti Siddhanta, Bhakti Vinod, Bhakti Vidanta, anybody's books that we're studying, they are the Purva Acharyas. They're the Acharyas who teach the whole disciplic succession, following in their wake through their writing. But did you say Shiksha is Diksha? Why did you say that? In my understanding, both Shiksha and Diksha are the active principle of Guru. There is also the passive principle of Guru in the Prairacharyas who are no longer manifest to us. And that's Purva Acharyas. They generally give us their direction through their writing. 
So, to me, Srila Prabhupada is not a shiksha guru, he's a Torvacharya. It's a matter of terminology, and my understanding, the proper terminology for shiksha is an active participate. The proper terminology, in my understanding, is Purvacharya, as Madhana Paul has said here. That's my understanding. I believe the majority of my godbrothers would disagree with me. The godbrothers who I hold in esteem put forth that what I accept. You mean they're using shiksha the term more loosely? In my estimation. But that's not the point. Let's not argue semantics. Okay. Let's let's talk about principle, because that's what's really most important. The principle is that guru is an in our life we need to accept the active principle of guru. Active means direct participation in our spiritual life. A living guru. Well, I mean, not the problem. Understood. Not living, yes. But a, I understand. Bapu, right. Yes. Bodily existence. Have I confused people? Purva meaning, Purva acharya, Purva meaning. Purva Purva generally is referring to the way Madanga Paul has written it. Purva Acharya is those Acharyas who leave us their instructions through their writing. I'm just wondering why the And they're guiding the whole Parampara through that writing. They've given their commentaries. We have so many commentaries, and we're going to go here to Bhagavad Gita and quickly go through ten verses. But um, I will dwell on this and take whole classes for it. It's so important to you. It's so important for the future of the Krishna consciousness movement. I pray that the institution that Prabhupada left eventually gets it right and doesn't go off base. But that's this Krishna consciousness movement is moving forward. I'm sure that the guidance will come to them. But let, let us make sure in this assembly that we understand these things fully. And that, I feel, is my responsibility. And if I'm wrong, I'm here to be corrected. Any questions, comments, corrections? I was listening to one of Pradipat's morning walks, mm -hmm. and he's talking about finding a guru, and he basically says that anybody, anybody can be a guru, even the dog can be a guru. We can see guru everywhere. Exactly. But we shouldn't take a we we shouldn't seek out a, a dog as a guru. <laughs> a dog can certainly teach us. We can learn something. Was he joking or no? No, no. He was talking about the fact that the someone who is spiritually minded, uh -huh. someone who is striving for mm -hmm. for spiritual purification and upliftment, will take the essence of the environment no matter where they find it. Yes, you will notice in the eleventh uh, canto, one spiritual aspirant is sees guru everywhere. Wherever he looks, he's seeing guru, and he's taking his knowledge from the environment. Someone like, somewhat like the Native American tradition. But it doesn't mean that uh, we should not search for for the how to say for the person who can guide us. Mm -hmm. But even if we can. Uh, Know, extract the guidance from the environment, still it's good to be connected with the, with the person who, like, who 
Generally, to take it from the environment, you have to be on a very, very high plane spiritually. Very high plane. Otherwise, there's every chance that you'll misunderstand what's, what's being told to you by the environment. We are about to embark on Bhagavad Gita as it is again. This time, I want to really take to this study of Bhagavad Gita with an eye to come away with it this time with a much, much deeper and meaningful and practical application in our devotional life. To that end, I want to start before we even begin the verses by reading something Prabhupada said. I want to put what Prabhupada is saying here in context. This is from the 10th canto, 9th chapter. Prabhupada only completed three more chapters after this. At the time of this writing, I think we can all feel that Prabhupada knew that his manifest presence here was coming to an end. So his purports here are very pointed. This is 10th Canto, 9th chapter, text 21. The Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna, the son of Mother Yasoda, is accessible to devotees engaged in spontaneous loving service. But he is not as easily accessible to mental speculators, to those striving for self-realization by severe austerities and penances, or to those who consider the body the same as the self. This is Prabhupada's purport. It's elegant. Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is the son of Mother Yasoda, is very easily available to devotees. But not to tapasvis, yogis, jnanis, and others who have a bodily concept of life. Tapasvis, tapa, tapa. Anybody remember? Austerity. Austerity. Krishna is not readily available to those that simply do a lot of austerities. Yogis, we know what yogis are. They control their minds with the desire to obtain perfection. Some of them even aspire to have eight mystic perfections. Become smaller and the smallest, bigger and the biggest. Create their own universe. Control your mind if they want. These are all siddhas. Jnanis. What do the jnanis want? They want complete knowledge. And their complete knowledge leads them to the understanding they're not this physical body, that they're spirit. And once they receive that knowledge, they want liberation. They realize that karma is not good, no matter if it's good karma. They realize even good karma is not good. And others who have, that have a bodily concept of life. Although they may sometimes be called santa bhaktas, santa means... What? Neutrality. Neutrality, correct. That means there's a lack of service. It's just neutrality. I'm seeing God. I understand there's God or there's the Supreme, but there's no sense of service, no sense of self-sacrificing, and no sense of love. Real Bhakta begins with Dasya Ras. Dasya Ras? Anybody? Service. service, yes. At least the concept of service. So there's five relationships with the Supreme. Santa, Dasya, 
Sakya, friendship. Sakya, parental affection. And Madhurya, love on very intimate platform. Conjugal love. Prabhupada's saying here, just to know that there's God without any sense of service, without any self-sacrificing, is santa. And that, although they may be sometimes called bhaktas, bhakti means love. But even those ones that simply acknowledge the Supreme, realize that he exists as a, as a personality, we use the term santa bhaktas, that they're bhaktas. But without service, there's, as I said, there's no real bhakti. And Prabhupada says, real bhakti begins with dashiras. Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita 4.11, Ye yatamam prapajyante, tamstataiva bhajamyaham, mamavartmanu vartante, manusha parthasarvasa. All of them, as they surrender unto me, I reward accordingly. Everyone follows my path in all respects, O son of Pritha. Everyone is seeking Krishna, for he is the super soul of all individual souls. Everyone loves his body and wants to protect it because he is within the body as the soul, and everyone loves the soul because the soul is part and parcel of the super soul. Therefore, everyone is actually seeking to achieve happiness by reviving his relationship with the super soul. As the Lord says in Bhagavad Gita, 1515, By all the Vedas, it is I who am to be known. Therefore, the karmis, jnanis, yogis, and saintly persons are all seeking Krishna. But by following in the footsteps of devotees who are in direct relationship with Krishna, especially the inhabitants of Vrindavan, one can reach the supreme position of associating with Krishna. Prabhupada in this purport is talking about the highest level of devotional activity and how we attain that highest level. As it is said, Vrindavanam Parichyajya Padam Ekam Nagachati Krishna does not leave Vrindavan even for a moment. The Vrindavana Vasis Mother Yasoda, Krishna's friends, and Krishna's conjugal lovers, the younger gopis, with whom he dances, have very intimately relationship with Krishna. And if one follows in the footsteps of these devotees, Krishna is available. Although the Nityasiddha expansions of Krishna always remain with Krishna, if those engaged in sadhana siddha follow in the footsteps of Krishna's Nityasiddha associates, such sadhana siddhas also can easily attain Krishna without difficulty. You understand what's being said? Krishna has his eternal associates. They never leave him. If we want to enter that relationship, which is the highest level of perfection for the soul, we practice sadhana siddha. Nitya Siddha means they're already eternally perfect. Nitya means eternal. Siddha means perfect. They're already eternally perfect. They're with Krishna. 
we can attain the same perfection by sadhana. What's our sadhana? Hearing and chanting. Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu. Under the direction of the spiritual master, we practice sadhana bhakti. We can go to Krishna and be on the same level as those eternally perfected souls. It's available to us. Let's move on. This is amazing. If those engaged in sadhana siddha follow in the footsteps of Krishna's nitya siddha associates, such sadhana siddhas can easily attain Krishna without difficulty. But there are those who are attached to bodily concepts of life. Well, that'll slow you down. <laughs> Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva. Wow. Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva. These are the, these are the controllers of the universe. For example, have very prestigious positions. And thus, they have the sense of being very exalted isvaryas, controllers. Well, I'm sure if you were the head of the universe, you'd think you were pretty exalted too. <laughs> they have a problem. Prabhupada, Krishna's pure devotee, he's pointing out this for our benefit. Now, we're not in the position of Brahma and Shiva, but believe me, we all have the sense of being Ishwaras here. We're the master of this or the master of that. No matter what the mastery is, let's not even go there. They're unlimited. In other words, because Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva are guna avatars and have exalted positions, they have some small sense of being like Krishna, being like Krishna in the controlling capacity. But the pure devotees who inhabit Vrindavan do not possess any bodily conception. They are fully dedicated to the service of the Lord in sublime affection. Prema. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has therefore recommended Prema Pum Arto Mahan. The highest perfection of life is Prema, pure love in relationship with Krishna. And Mother Yasoda appears to be the topmost of devotees who have attained this perfection. So that gives us a glimmer of what the objective is. And here Prabhupada gives the key to obtaining that objective. In this way, all the cowherd men, this is text 59 of the same chapter, headed by Nanda Maharaj, enjoyed topics about the pastimes of Krishna and Balaram with great transcendental pleasure. They could not even perceive material tribulations. In other words, Krishna is enacting pastimes daily in Vrindavan. And the older residents of Vrindavan are discussing those happenings on a daily basis. And their existence is what? Because of those discussions, they cannot even perceive material tribulations. So they're talking about it as if it was like the news we see on TV. Yeah, they're talking about Krishna. But that's all they're talking about. And because of that, they have no material difficulty. They don't even know that they exist materially. Prabhupada's purport. Here is an instruction about the result of studying or discussing the Krishna Leelas that appear in Srimad Bhagavatam. Nanda Maharaj and Yasoda in Vrindavan appear like ordinary persons in this material world, but they never felt the tribulations of this world. 
although they sometimes met many dangerous situations created by the demons. This is a practical example. If we follow in the footsteps of Nanda Maharaj and the Gopas, we can all be happy simply by discussing the activities of Krishna. Vasudeva has given this literature so that everyone may understand one's transcendental position simply by discussing Bhagavat Katha. Even at the present moment, everyone everywhere can be happy and free from material tribulations by following Srimad Bhagavatam. There is no need of austerities and penances, which in this age are very difficult to perform. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has therefore declared, Sarvatma Snapanam Param Vijayate Sri Krishna Sankirtanam. By our Krishna consciousness movement, we are trying to distribute Srimad Bhagavatam so that anyone in any part of the world can be absorbed in the Krishna consciousness movement by chanting and hearing about the activities of Krishna and be free from all material tribulations. That's the objective of, should be our objective in practicing Krishna consciousness, to be free of material encumbrance. No material tribulation. And the formula is here. We simply have to become immersed in Krishna Katha. We become immersed in Krishna Katha, both Krishna's speaking, as he does in Bhagavad Gita, and giving, giving instruction, and also in hearing about Krishna's pastimes. And in that way, we can pass our life successfully and joyfully. No tribulations. Does that mean everything's going to go our way materially? Probably not. It's a material world. We probably have some karma headed our way. Some things we did in the past. We may win the lottery tomorrow. Well, you shouldn't gamble, excuse me. Uh, a, a windfall may come to us from, from who knows where. And we may become rich overnight. Or most, some disease may come, or some other disturbance in our life. Whether it's good karma or bad karma, it's going to come of its own course. But if we immerse ourselves in this Krishna Katha, just as the residents of Vrindavan did, we can be free of disturbance from those tribulations both good and bad. We shouldn't want either. On this plane, it's all bad. Believe me, if you get, a, if you get some big windfall, you can't take it with you and it won't last, it won't last that long. In fact, I, I heard something that people who do gamble, since I brought it up, <laughs> people who do gamble, on the lottery and win the lottery. You know how long their wealth is with them? Very, very short time. Because they're not they don't know how to deal with wealth. So they get this big windfall, and what do they do? It's immediately spent, gone. Five years later, they're at the same place they were before. Except they have some rotten yachts in the backyard. <laughs> They just don't know how to deal with it. Bhagavad Gita. In my Vyas Puja offering, 
I quoted the end of Prabhupada's introduction. And he wrote this book, and what was his one aspiration? If I can make one devotee, a pure devotee, if I can make one pure devotee, I will consider it a great success. Therefore, on his behalf, I must humbly request you to this time, as we go through Bhagavad Gita, let us take the mood of Arjuna and let's end Bhagavad Gita as Arjuna ended Bhagavad Gita, fully understanding what it means to surrender to Krishna. We may not be able to fully adapt it, but let us at least fully understand it. That understanding in and of itself, understanding of the dialogue of Bhagavad Gita in and of itself is sufficient to assure our place in the practice of devotional service. And it will end in spiritual perfection. Study of Bhagavad Gita is sadhana bhakti. Both the nitya siddha and the sadhana siddha are with Krishna. So if we study Bhagavad Gita, let us have that aspiration. Let's become perfect by this study. Anything we don't understand, let's discuss. Let's fully understand what Krishna is trying to say here. Let's enter into Bhagavad Gita. Now, in opening Bhagavad Gita, Prabhupada gives us the formula. In the first purport, the example of clear understanding is there in the Bhagavad Gita itself. In the way the teaching is understood by Arjuna, who heard the Gita directly from the Lord. And here's the key. If someone is fortunate enough to understand Bhagavad Gita in that line of disciplic succession, without material interpretation, then he surpasses all studies of Vedic wisdom and all scriptures of the world. Wow, just this one book. One will find in the Bhagavad Gita all that is contained in other scriptures, but the reader will also find things which are not to be found elsewhere. That is the specific standard of the Gita. It is the perfect theistic science because it is directly spoken by the Supreme Personality of Godhead.